We are within 24 hours of the trade deadline. All eyes are on the Mets and what they do with Justin Verlander. They also made another trade, sending Mark Cannon to the Brewers. I'll be discussing all of it on today's edition of Locked on Mets. You are Locked on Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, the Mets made another trade, sending Mark Cannon to the Milwaukee Brewers. I will discuss the return in the first segment today. In the second segment, Justin Verlander. Where does he go? Is he going to end up? Right back in Houston, I'll go through why I hope that's not the case. Then the final segment, something I really don't want to happen. The Mets are listening on Pete Alonso at the deadline. They better not trade him, and I'll tell you why, although I think the answer is pretty obvious. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. Let's find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, the Mets continue their sale, and Mark Canna, the latest casualty, sending him to the Milwaukee Brewers in exchange for a pitching prospect, Justin Jarvis. Uh, to see Canna go is unfortunate because he was a really great soldier for the Mets the last couple of years, could not have a better guy, and he's just... A, a solid baseball player. Uh, even through the cold stretches, it didn't ever feel like he was really giving you bad at bats. Guy that didn't strike out too much, walked a, a lot. Uh, of course, got hit by a pitch more than most people would like, but he had no problem leaning into them and played good defense in the outfield. Was he a great defender out there? No. Did he have a good arm? Absolutely not. But he got to everything he could. He was sure-handed. Played third base in a pinch with the Mets and too. Obviously could play some first as well. So the Brewers got a dynamic player that, you know, they could just put all over the place for them, right? Uh, maybe not dynamic is the right word to describe Mark Kenna, but a versatile player. Um, and, and one that I'm sure will help them as they try to win that NL Central division. But in return, the Mets eat the salary and they get a pitching prospect back. So again, it's an area where you figure eating salary improved return. I'm not blown away by this return, but I think it was good. I'm not upset about it. I'm not thrilled by it. It's just okay. It, it, it's a rental outfielder, essentially. Um, they do have to worry about the buyout the Brewers do. The Mets aren't covering that. So less money on that next year's payroll. That's their problem if they decide to pick up the club option for, I think it's $11.5 million, It's theirs, or they'll buy them out for $2 million. The Mets... They absorb the salary this year, and they get a pitching prospect back who you know, slots into a part of their farm system that they don't have a ton of depth. Now, granted, they have seen some developments this year that are encouraging. You have in double-A right now, Blade Tidwell, a high draft pick, first-round pick last year, who looks to be the real deal. And we'll see how he continues to progress and close up the season in double. Uh, you have Christian Scott up there as well. He's had a meteoric rise in the system this year among a lot of evaluators eyes. We'll see 
how high he ranks in the Mets top 30 soon. You have Mike Vassell up in AAA. Tyler Stewart, I should also mention, he's in AA now, I believe. So there has been some guys that have shown that they can really be part of the mix. Whether any of them become frontline starters is to be seen. I think Tidwell's probably your best chance at it. But, you know, a couple of these guys hit, and you have some cost-controlled rotation depth for years to come. And what they've done at the deadline at this point, if you extend it back to when they made the first trade, saying Eduardo Escobar to the Angels, eating money and getting Coleman Crone return, they've gotten two guys that I think slot into a similar range in the Mets system, and that's where Jarvis is with Coleman Crowe. Guys that are in probably somewhere between 10 to 15, you would think right now in the system when everyone updates, um, no, late, the lowest either would drop is somewhere in the top 20, but I believe probably, again, somewhere in the 10 to 15 range. And guys that next year will probably be in the triple rotation and could be called on in a pinch. So uh, to focus in on Jarvis in particular, uh, again, right-handed pitcher, Pretty big guy, six foot two. Last year was his first full workload where he made 28 starts and pitched 141 innings. Began in high A, 121 innings there, 402 ERA. Was promoted to double, pitched to a 270 ERA in 20 innings, and then continued to double this year where he experienced a little bit of a breakout. Had a 333 ERA in 14 starts and across 75 and two third innings pitched. He struck out 91. Strikeout rate of 28.6 was really solid. Walk rate, 8.2%. Um, you know, you'd like that to come down a little bit, but that's not a bad by any stretch. Because of how well he pitched this season, Baseball America in their recent rankings has him number 12 in the Brewer system or had him number 12 in the Brewer system. And they speak about a four-pitch mix that he has and that giving him the chance to stick in a big league rotation, potentially being a back-end guy. Fastball sits at 94 to 96, tops out 97, has a good slider, curveball. He's got a splitter he's trying to learn. That's going to be key for him to be able to pitch to lefties. Um, and if you watch him pitch, a lot of people point this out, mechanics look eerily similar to Chris Bassett. Um, you know, starts very upright, the arm very over the top. And you know, with fastball that he's able to command at the top of the zone. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how he continues to develop. I'm not overly like thrilled about the return, uh, but you also have to set reasonable expectations for a guy that's been about an average player this year in Mark Canna. Yes, it's a market that has been uh, absolutely a seller's one and one that doesn't have a lot of position players on the move. So I had hopes that maybe they would get a little bit of a better prospect, but again, you can't really be upset about this. It's a good deal for them. Now he's rule five eligible, which means the Mets will have to add him to the 40, but don't see any problem with that. I mean, you have a guy like Jose Budo who's been awful this year that you could take off the 40 and just plug this guy in. And I'm sure there's a lot of other ways to create roster spots. Um, so that'll be something that I'm sure they'll work out. No issue. And, and we'll just see, we'll see how he progresses, how he finishes out the year. He did not fare well in his first couple starts in triple a. And also one thing uh, that you have to note about his success in double a, so he was pitching in the Southern league where they were using that tacky ball. They were, tried to experiment with a pre-tacked baseball, and that allowed a lot of pitchers to have a ton of success. Coleman Crow was also pitching in that league when he had his great four starts at the beginning of the season before he got hurt and has remained hurt this year. So you have to take their numbers with a grain of salt, but we'll see. You know, the Mets are trying to 
develop a pitching lab. They're trying to really help guys tap into more. And you can laugh at that, but you have seen it this year from Vassal, from Christian Scott, uh, from Tyler Stewart even. So there is a chance that that could actually be something that is a work in progress that continues to improve and this guy slides in. And you never know. If you end up getting any sustained run of Justin Jarvis in a Mets rotation, this is a home run of a trade. Um, and again, full control over this guy. So that's good to see. Uh, now the question is, is there a better prospect still coming at this deadline? And there's a couple pieces that can be moved. There's Tommy Pham, who you would think would get you maybe a slightly better return because he's having a better season. Uh, and so the Mets still hold that ship. And I wonder how long they do. Is this a guy that they wait to the last minute and hope they get the best possible offer on, or are they waiting to potentially include him? in a trade where Justin Verlander goes out. That's what we're going to discuss next as Verlander is suddenly linked to Houston, which is not the ideal trade spot, in my opinion, when it comes to prospects coming back. But we'll discuss that in a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Have you ever been in a situation where you want to go to the game, but find tickets is so stressful that you ultimately decide to just stay home well, Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over getting tickets and start getting hyped about going to the game. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets to the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. And you can snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account, redeem the code Locked on MLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. New York Mets play the Kansas City Royals at 8.10 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. The SXM app, just search Mets. All right, Justin Verlander to the Houston Astros. You'd hate to see it, but it makes sense. Verlander very close to Astros owner Jim Crane, which has been sort of circulating lately as – the Astros are coming up more and more as the destination for Verlander. And you'd say, okay, but the Dodgers can offer more. Justin Verlander has a no trade clause. And this makes this situation very, very complicated because if you're the Mets, you'd like to trade with the Dodgers. And there's already been some reports the Mets would want Emmett Sheehan. Now, will the Dodgers give him up is to be determined, but they need to get the best prospect package possible you also heard a report today that the Orioles are interested in Justin Verlander is Justin Verlander going to wave his no trade clause to go play for the Orioles I don't really think so so again it gets back to Houston and the fact that he spent all those years there and would probably like to pick up where he left off I mean he could go defend a World Series title he helped earn this year and 
that's got to be extremely enticing for him. Problem for the Mets, what do the Astros have that you'd want? I mean, there's Drew Gilbert, who was their first-round pick last year, who hit 360 in high A this year, but has been struggling a little bit in double A. That's an outfielder they'd love to have, and there's other prospects that are performing well. The Astros system is not terrible by any stretch. There are some pieces, and I'll wait and reserve judgment until I see a package and then try to break it down and see like see if it was worth it. But it feels so underwhelming to not get a Dodgers top pitching prospect if you're going to trade Verlander. To me, the reason why you make the trade is because you find a pitcher that you can slot into your farm system, if not your big league rotation, because the Dodgers have a couple of those guys like Sheehan who would be able to be in the rotation in the second half here, not the second half, but in the post-deadline a couple months here. If you can't get a guy that you have at least some hopes for, that they could be a frontline starting pitcher, I just hold Verlander. And what concerns me about this is maybe this is a lot more of a rebuild than the Mets are letting on. They call it a repurposing. They said that you know they're still going to try to win in 2024, but maybe the Mets are just taking a step back. They're going younger. See if they can catch lightning in a bottle that way next year. And if they're in a position where they're in the mix, maybe then they add at next year's deadline. Or maybe all of this is a big game of chess that the Mets are trying to play. And they decided, look, we don't want to be in the old ace business anymore. So we're going to trade these guys. We're going to trade our rentals. And we're going to go out. We're going to sign Julio Urias in the offseason and get Yamamoto from the NPB, and that's our new big three atop our rotation. It's Sanga, Yamamoto, and Urias. Obviously, Urias is the ace in that situation. And you're getting a younger pitcher to headline a rotation. Maybe that's the move. I don't know yet. But the idea of ceding to a Justin Verlander demand and saying, all right, Justin, we're going to send you to Houston. That's where you want to be. We're going to take back three or four prospects from the Astros and Hopefully one of those becomes good. It just feels like you're suddenly in a position where you had leverage and Verlander's push to Houston and wanting to play for the Astros and has no trade clause ends up working against you where you're taking less back in the deal. And you're just trading him to trade him. And in that instance, can you not just keep the guy? Honestly, because the crazy thing about all of this, and it's not to say that, hey, the Mets are going to win the World Series this year. We know that's not happening, but as things are breaking out, the Mets are sitting six and a half games back. With Justin Verlander and a week schedule, it's not impossible that you're at least playing competitive games in September. And then if you go into next year with an improved farm, Verlander, Senga, and Yamamoto even, right? Like you have a real chance to win a World Series next year. I just would not trade Verlander to trade him. And I hope that's not where the Mets end up here because you might get a little bit intoxicated with, Ooh, we're buying prospects. We're buying prospects. We're buying prospect. Hey, Justin Jarvis, we bought that prospect. Did they even have to eat this much money to get Justin Jarvis as a prospect? Not that it matters, but even that feels like can on the minimum couldn't have got you more than you got for Eduardo Escobar in the minimum. 
Because I feel like the Escobar trade was a little bit better. They got two arms, not one. And I think Coleman Crow might be a little bit better than Justin Jarvis. Deadline, things happen. I get it. Best offer on the table, you take it. But if you're at this point, why not just trade Tommy Pham for maybe a slightly better prospect, but hey, you get what you can. You know, take your calls on Nervaez and Rayleigh and Adovino and Quintana and see, see if there's something out there. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to just roll and you got Acuna as the big haul of the deadline. Everyone suddenly is starting to come around to Marco Vargas as the prospect they got in the Robertson trade. Someone who clearly a top 10 prospect in the Mets system right now and could have helium to be even more than that in a year. They've already done well selling. Don't just sell for the sake of it. And that leads me to a little thing I read in the athletic that the Mets have been listening on Pete Alonso. And that is something that got my blood boiling. That's where I want to close the show today. Um, don't you dare trade Pete Alonso. I don't think I have to explain it, but I will uh, in the next segment. First, though, another word for us from our sponsors. New York Mets by the Kansas City Royals, 8-10 Eastern Time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Pete Alonso uh, on the block. There's a world where it makes sense. There's the outsider's perspective who says, why aren't the Mets listening on Pete Alonso? It's having a good season. You're selling anyway. Free agent after next year. Only one of their guys that's not locked up to a long-term deal. Why not move him? Why not move him for a haul? Pete Alonso would be by far the best position player move to this deadline. By far. I don't know if you're quite getting a Juan Soto package for him, but you get a damn good package. You get a better package for Pete Alonso than anything else you've traded. It's including Scherzer and Verlander. It would be PR suicide to trade. Alonzo, and maybe there's some people out there who think, hey, trade and get what you can. Go all in on this repurpose slash it's a rebuild. If you did that, you're there's no denying it's a rebuild. It's a complete rebuild with all the money you're spending to Edwin Diaz and Brandon Mo and Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't line up. It would make a lot more sense that two days after the deadline, you announce a contract extension for Pete Alonso. But to trade him, fans would outrage. Fans would riot. Not literally, but they're certainly not buying any tickets for the rest of the year. And as the Mets said, they want to still have a product they can be proud of. You can't be proud in your product if you're trading Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso. The guy that is homegrown and has literally hit more home runs than anyone in the amount of games he's played to start his career. He is a guy that you should be working on keeping in a Mets uniform for his career because he's done everything right. And in a down year this year, so to speak, he's hit 30 bombs before we got into August. And that's a down season. So... The last thing I would want to see 
literally. You could tell me Justin Verlander was traded to the Houston Astros for their 29th, 28th, and 27th prospects, and I would be more comfortable and happy with that than finding out that Pete Alonso got traded for anything because it just sends such a horrid message. It shows that you're just giving up, and, and I can't believe the Mets would do that. Now, it's also in a report in the Athletic where they're talking about rumors, and to say the Mets are listening on Pete Alonso's and said that they're just not hanging up the phone immediately, and they're probably curious what the market might be because if you can't come to terms on a contract extension this offseason, and things don't start out great next year. Okay. Now I can get my head around a little bit more. Or even in the off season, I guess, if you just did not come to terms at all on a contract. But it's not like Mark Vientos has come up and proven to you that he's ready to take Pete's job. And you have a built-in replacement at first base. So, I, I again, I'm probably overreacting to this. But just to see that they're listening on it, come on. Don't do that, all right? Trade Tommy Pham. Honestly, I'd be happy if they just did that. They kept the team as is and just traded Tommy Pham at this point. I feel like they still won as sellers if if they only do that. And guys like Justin Verlin and Pete Alonso, you got to remember it's hard to acquire talent that good. Um, and you shouldn't be giving it away for spare parts. And and that you know sentiment I'm I'm referring to to Verlander and just acquiescing to his his trade um, desires and saying I want to go back to Houston. Well, you're under contract with the Mets, and Houston doesn't have the prospects that could get it done. Then again, maybe a trade's made. We look at the package when it's all put together. We say, all right, that was actually a good deal. And that's what the deadline's all about. Make sure you follow, rate, and review because I'll be going up with podcasts as soon as any more big deals happen. Head of that deadline tomorrow. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. And if you want to catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.